0: "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house "'not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. "'The stockings were hung by the chimney with care "'in the hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. "'The children were nestled snug in their beds "'while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. We all have our visions of Christmas. A perfect Christmas. For some, it's an exquisite scene at home. For others, it might be poinsettia perfection at church. But this Sunday is a reminder of what happens next in the poem. Then out on the lawn there arose such a clatter. I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. The exquisite scene is shattered by chaos. What will happen next? What does it all mean? But for us, It's not the arrival of a bearded man in a red coat with reindeer, but a strange, wild man clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, eating locusts and wild honey, not the stuff of Christmas cookies. The sudden appearance of John the Baptist causes disruption. It demands preparation, and it invites proclamation. Part one, disruption. John the Baptist's arrival was disruptive. There was, to to be sure, a curiosity factor. This guy out in the wilderness next to the Jordan, far from Jerusalem, What was he doing there? What was this all about? John the Baptist was considered a threat by some. The religious leaders sent their disciples to keep an eye on him. Herod Antipas kept him at arm's length, especially because he criticized his relationship with Herodias. And yet the people came in great numbers. Mark writes from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem kept coming out to see him. I'll tell you, that was no easy trip. It's a 14-mile walk from Jerusalem to Jericho and then you've got to go another six, seven miles to get to the Jordan River. It takes a whole day to get there. And then you're out in the desert hearing John the Baptist. Then you've got to walk back The whole way, 20-some miles, uphill, 4,000 feet of elevation. I know, I've made the hike. People were looking for something. They were looking for deliverance. They had a long memory of how they had been captive in Babylon, but God brought them home. They remembered that century of independence when... Jewish kings ruled the land until the Romans came under Pompey, and then the Herods and that odious man, Pontius Pilate. Oh, there were rebel groups, zealots, false messiahs. Others withdrew to the desert to prepare for some kind of final battle. People were looking for deliverance. But John the Baptist was a man of more than just disheveled appearance. Instead of an armed rebellion or divine intervention, John offered a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. In the tradition of the Old Testament, where one would ritually wash that was what was impure to make it usable by God again. He turned their attention from externals, politics, economics, life, to the internal. He called for repentance, a change in thinking, a turning of direction, a reordering so that nothing would be in the way of the one to come. John the Baptist was the one before. The one to come would be stronger and would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And as the Gospel of Mark shows in subsequent chapters, he would be mighty in word and deed and would disrupt all, even Rome, at the cross and by coming forth from the tomb. For us today... John the Baptist's arrival is disruptive. Encountering a strange man like John the Baptist can feel odd at a time when decorations are going up. At first glance, we might wonder whether to turn the other way or maybe hand him one of those bags for the homeless or maybe listen. See, much of our culture and life has to do with the externals, with beauty, the pursuit of perfection. But the unkept John, the one who comes before, is a reminder of the God who comes at Christmas born in poverty and sleeping in an animal's feed box. Yes, God shows up in unexpected places that aren't always pleasant or beautifully decorated. And the most important example of which is the cross, the very last place one would expect to find God, but the very place where God does God's best work. John the Baptist's arrival is a call for repentance for a turning around and away from those things that glitter and entice, those external things. It's a call to notice the fallen nature of our humanity, both in our own hearts and even in the experience of the least of these. The reading from Isaiah gives us context for this radical call of John, the assurance of of forgiveness that encourages us to repent. Comfort oh comfort my people says your God speak tenderly to the heart of Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term that her penalty is paid that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins the promise of that coming will be gentle on little ones. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. John the Baptist, the one who comes before, does disrupt our lives so that nothing, not even the things of this season, are in the way of of the one who comes. John prepares the way. Part two, preparation. John cries, prepare the way of the Lord. His call comes forth from the wilderness. Yes, that wilderness. Now, to us, a wilderness may be a, a reminder of what it's like to be out of step We use the metaphor of wilderness to speak about suffering and loss or dealing with depression or looking for a job. I'm in the wilderness. But in the world of Jesus, the wilderness metaphor worked very differently. The wilderness was a good place, a place of preparation. After all, God called Moses while he was tending sheep in the wilderness. God formed those slaves who came out of Egypt into his own people through 40 years in the wilderness. Kings such as David hid from their enemies in the wilderness. Prophets like Elijah went to the wilderness to consult with God. Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. The wilderness was a place of preparation. I've excavated at En Gedi, the site where David hid from Saul in the wilderness, and it is a land of simplicity, stark. There's a clarity there as one approaches the lowest place on earth. At this time of the year, our society entices us to bake cookies and spend money in order to be happy, but the examples of John the Baptist and Jesus invite us to head to the wilderness, those places of simplicity and clarity where we can have space and time to consider the call of God and God's message of comfort in this season. A wilderness is a time out for true preparation without Amazon or Target or more calories than our bodies can stand. Secondly, John the Baptist's call to prepare the way of the Lord is issued while he's baptizing at the Jordan. Now, the southern part of the Jordan River today is shriveled because of excessive use of water. But in the Bible, the Jordan Was more than just a river. The Jordan was the entry point into the promised land. Led by Joshua, the children of Israel came out of the wilderness where they had been for 40 years preparing and entered into the land that God had promised. The Jordan was the boundary crossing from being a wandering people to being God's settled people when God's promise was fulfilled in the land. Following Joshua, they entered the land of milk and honey. Another Joshua, Yeshua, we know him as Jesus, leads his people also, leads us through the waters of baptism into God's kingdom. These waters are our entry point. God does it all for us in baptism. God gives us all in baptism. We are baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Even as the Jordan was a sign of the gospel to the people entering the land, that God had kept his promise, the waters, in the waters of baptism, God keeps God's promise to us. That John was active at the Jordan was a sign of the hope that would attend the coming one, the one greater than John. Thirdly, John's call to prepare of the way of the Lord invokes the image of the highways through the desert, constructed by monarchs in antiquity to facilitate troop movements and celebratory parades, paths through the wilderness or the desert were marked out by those who went before so that those who followed could travel safely. John prepared the way for Jesus. Jesus prepares the way for us. Jesus walked the way of the cross. Many followed his way across the centuries, even we do so today. It is the royal highway of our God a glorious path to follow. These three themes mark the preparation to which John calls us. The wilderness, that place away from the stuff of today, where clarity and simplicity allow us to hear God's word. The Jordan, the gospel promise we received in baptism, and to which we can return each day. And the royal highway of our God, blazed by Jesus, to give us a safe way home. Part 3, Proclamation. The disruption of John and his call to prepare the way of the Lord marked him as the forerunner, the one before the one to come. But the words of John the Baptist are also an invitation to us, rooted in the prophecy of Isaiah, that we might become heralds with John, that we might fearlessly proclaim with John, see, your God is coming. We say it to each other in worship. We say it, with our lives in the community and on the campus that borders this neighborhood. We carry it to the continents with our mission efforts. John the Baptist is not a lonely voice crying out in the wilderness, but one of a chorus of heralds from the prophets of old to the angels outside of Bethlehem to the saints across the ages to the members of this assembly who cry out prepare the way of the Lord make his paths straight so that people might come home Isaiah wrote his prophecy for the children of Israel who would be captive in Babylon and who would long to go home to Jerusalem his word was a word of comfort to them, and an assurance that God would bring them home. There is a longing, especially at this time of year, to come home. It's captured in that Christmas song, I'll be home for Christmas. And we desire to be home. We understand that yearning, and yet, We feel the loss of those who won't be home this year, those in nursing homes, people who are homeless, people who must work to make ends meet, people called to serve for the safety and security of others, people so alienated they don't think they are welcome home. So it's good for us to reach out to these people in these situations, care packages for the military, nursing home visits, delivery of meals, offers to help out. But there's another homecoming that's even more important. That way was prepared by the one who was born away from home. Heaven is our true home. And so in each homecoming at Christmas, we experience an anticipation of the homecoming that is to come. I'll be home for Christmas may touch a heartstring, but I'll be home forever is truly good news, which is why the prophet wrote, Get you up a high mountain, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, And to family, friends, neighbors, here is your God. Yes, the coming of the baptizer does disrupt a bit as we prepare. He leads us from the wilderness through the Jordan as part of our preparation so that we might be heralds of his good news. Permit me to close with an apology to Clement Clark Moore. Twas the season before Christmas and all through the house. Preparation happened when they did the Bible browse. Stockings and soap were sent to those in need. Concern for others moved ahead full speed. In word and deed, They prepared the way, their hope, to see many more in heaven someday. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.